0: Brothers, Tim, Paul, Ching-Tai, Mauricio, and thank you, Saints, for the opportunity to be with you again. Uh, I very much look forward to these three uh, sessions we have today and and tomorrow morning. And um, may we just really uh, enjoy the Lord together. Well, Saints, uh, uh, Tim read the um, subject to you, Preparing... For the lord's imminent return by persevering on to unceasing prayer as seen in the books of colossians and philippians and in the reality that is in jesus so perhaps saints as you um, read this title you'll recognize some elements of it it is actually an overlay of the lord speaking From the beginning of the pandemic time until now, I think we all realize and sense that this time is a special one, that the Lord is very much with the entire scene in the universe, on the earth, and particularly in the Lord's recovery, and that the pandemic and all of its sufferings and difficulties and challenges are all part of an ultimate preparation of us. To meet the Lord in his return. And so, to try to um, uh, focus our sense regarding this, this uh, title takes and uh, puts together, places together, some of the uh, particular emphases of the Lord speaking to us in the last little less than a year. So what we hope to see this weekend is that God has a will that needs to be accomplished. And that will is absolutely in our experience of Christ. Related to this experience of Christ, we are at a special time. And as a result, there are signs that indicate that we are coming to the consummation of this age, telling us as his lovers in his recovery, that we need to pay particular attention and be prepared that this consummation involves a particular a particular kind of incentive to us a particular kind of intimate whispered speaking to us can you will you desire you to meet me In my secret coming? This is a question before before all of us. And so these speakings, as you know, were the speakings we had during the spring itero of 2020 and um, the Memorial Day conference as well. Then, related to the Lord's coming, we also had speakings that um, represent the crystallization study of Jeremiah. And then we come, <clears throat> then we come to uh, the fall itero, more on his parousia, his secret appearing. And then we come to the um, more recent speaking in the Thanksgiving conference on Colossians <clears throat> and how the indescribably rich experience of Christ Offered and presented in the book of Colossians is what well, can be and is displaced in our experience by the invisible, insidious effect of national, ethnic, institutional, personal, and church life culture. And when we see this, we um, should have a response. That's not okay. (laughs) I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. So we're ready to stand up and face this and say, no, no. And so our our doing so represents the speaking in the uh, crystallization study of Job, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, where we saw what apparently would look like an ideal kind of human living actually is kind of a black background for what needs to appear at the end of the age. So our brother said in the, don't misunderstand, black background of our typically practiced church life. There needs to be a new resurgence of a desire to experience Christ absolutely and more than ever before. And so this brings us to the present time. And through this entire time, there's been the emphasis on persevering in prayer. So we have, we have the websites Unceasingly pray, we have the website beseeching.org, we have the urging to persevere in prayer. And so our three messages will focus on how persevering in prayer, this phrase mirrored in First Thessalonians 5:17. One of the shortest but most imperative verses in the Bible, unceasingly pray. How these, these admonitions, these, these, these two verses have puzzled, have called, have provoked the Lord's seekers through the ages. But how now in the Lord's recovery, the Lord would take these imperative statements and make them a vision, a compelling vision that would govern and direct our living and fulfill each one of these components of the Lord speaking in this last one year to make us readied to merit the ultimate prize, the ultimate reward, meeting the Lord in his secret appearing. For the consummation of the age, so this is this is the sense, and and um, uh, <clears throat> to prepare a little bit, just your feeling um, regarding uh, what we mean when we say unceasing prayer. As I mentioned, if you look back in the. Traditional classical writings, you'll find that the, the, the theologians through the centuries have commented on what it means to unceasingly pray and have pictured such things as, as uh, <clears throat> uh, a monk-like existence where one does nothing but uh, kneel and pray uh, to persons who've just kind of scratched their head and said, how does that work in a in a busy human life filled with responsibilities, challenges, and difficulties? Well, I'd like to read for you just a couple of uh, quotations from um, two books in the ministry. First, uh, the book Perfecting Training, and then the book uh, Life Messages, to give a context and a sense for what we're talking about when we talk about persevering prayer. So... um, Perfecting Training, page 181. I I have these pages right. Uh, Let me know if I missed them. Unceasing prayer is not just to pray before you do something. Unceasing prayer is also to keep praying while you are doing something. Nextly, page 177. These are kind of in reverse order. First one was page 181. This is page 177. Previously, I indicated that before doing anything, you had better pray. Before saying anything, you'd better pray. Before going anywhere, you'd better pray. Even before thinking something, you'd better pray. Now I would add something even more. Even before you love, you have to pray. Before you weep, you have to pray. Before you lose your temper, you need to first pray. Before you criticize, you need to pray. Nextly, page 171. If you do not pray, if you don't pray today, you cannot pray tomorrow. If you don't pray in the morning, you cannot pray at noontime or in the evening. One time of prayer strengthens you to pray two more times. Two times of prayer strengthen you to pray four times. The more you pray, the more you will have pray. The more you pray, the more you will like to pray. And the more you pray, the more you will be able to pray. If you don't pray, you just don't like to pray. But if you pray, your appetite for prayer will be increased. Don't stop your prayer. Now to Life Messages, Volume 1, page 113. No, sorry, Volume 2, I'll skip that one. Volume 2, page 78. Unceasing prayer is the only way for us to be preserved in Christ. Without praying, we are outside of Christ. With prayer, we are in him. Now, elaborating on that word, we are in him. Life Messages, Volume 2, page 206. This spirit of prayer must be the realm in which we live. Bring this atmosphere into your daily life. Pray without ceasing. This does not mean to keep praying for all different matters all the time. To pray without ceasing means to breathe in the Lord and enjoy him constantly. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. It means to stay in the realm of the spirit where the Lord is with you and you are with him. So, Dear brothers and sisters, actually there are dozens of quotes along this line. These are representative quotes from these two books in which our brother, in a very practical way, points out to us, as we will see during these three messages, that for us to have an expanding experience of Christ, for us to live him, and for us to be ready to welcome him in his return, we need to, We need to lay hold of this, pursue this, apply this, practice this. Otherwise, so much of what we see, so much of what we treasure, so much of what we've given our lives for remains theoretical and relatively inoperative in our experience. And so, saints... um, This matter of persevering prayer will apply in this first session to the Thanksgiving conference in which we saw that the enemy of our experience of Christ is our lurking, subtle, satanically um, encouraged and applied culture. Now, in... in, um, including that word satanically applied. I don't don't mean that culture is negative or bad and that we simply try to be cultureless. As you remember from the conference, we cannot and do not do that. But if various things absorb us and absorb, please key in on this word, absorb our consciousness. Days, months can go by. Without much substantial advance in our experience of Christ. So we saw that we have to, we have to deplay, displace, we have to efface, we have to replace our culture with experience, living experience of touching, laying hold of the Lord again, to whom we have given our lives in the Lord's recovery from the day of our regeneration. And we saw in the conference that to do this, do this, we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We need to let the peace of Christ arbitrate in our hearts. These two key matters from these key chapters on the one new man, Ephesians chapter four and Colossians chapter three are are practical points. But the question remains, how do you get renewed in the spirit of your mind to put on the one new man? How do you let the peace of Christ arbitrate in your heart for the oneness of the one new man and for the fulfillment of Colossians chapter three? See, here's the answer. We put into vivid practicality the admonition that we have toward the end of the book, that we persevere in prayer, make this living, make this all applicable, pursue this in our experience, and we'll find that experiences in the book of Colossians become ours. So let's proceed through this first outline. And um, may may Colossians be an ever more endearing and dear book to us. So the title of this first message is Persevering and Unceasing Prayer for the Lord's Imminent Return as seen in the book of Colossians. Now, the subsequent points are familiar to you, but the, the way in which they're put together, I hope, will help us to see that that the Lord is waiting for us through prayer to set aside our own culture, even if it's the church life culture, set aside our own culture and have it replaced with an expanding experience of Christ himself. So Roman number one says, the book of Colossians presents what can be considered the highest, the Mount Zion among the lofty peaks of the revelation of Christ contained in the Bible. So in these four chapters, we have an unexceeded revelation of what Christ is as the head of the body and making Colossians, the Mount Zion of the revelation contained in the Holy Scriptures and the highest book in the heart of the divine revelation of the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Now, sometimes we talk about the relationship between these four books in the heart of the divine revelation. And we'll probably mention some more about that at the beginning of message two. But here we have Colossians as the nugget, as the high peak, as the treasure of the entire Bible, as the Mount Zion of the revelation of Christ. And so, This leads us to point two. This revelation of Christ as the preeminent, all-inclusive One, the centrality and universality of God. This re- this revelation shows us that in God's economy, Christ is everything. He is all inclusive. Oh. And this and this. Um, Particular expression came forth in the Memorial Day Conference. Sorry, the Thanksgiving Conference of 2019. We talked about one year ago. This all-inclusive Christ is all-extensive. Wow, all-extensive. Consider what this implies. That no matter how, where we go, no matter what our need is, No matter how far uh, our circumstances extend, there he is. There he is. The extenuating, challenging, difficult circumstances that we encounter, or the marvelous, exhilarating, outstanding experiences that we we have, no matter what what it is, it cannot outstrip the availability and the presence of the all-extensive one. Christ. The revelation that he is all-inclusive and all-extensive implies that we are to experience him all-inclusively and all-extensively. So this point is a quotation from the Life Study of Colossians. The fact that he is revealed as the all-inclusive, all-extensive one implies that we are to experience Every aspect of him in his all-inclusiveness and in his all-extensivity. So our human life is for nothing less than to push back the barriers, push back the boundaries, extend the boundaries of what we've experienced. So that our experience of Christ would be expanding, expanding all extensive to be the basis for a continued extension of our experience of him in eternity. And so saints here we are. The divine revelation of the Holy Scriptures was completed in its speaking by the by the speaking of the Apostle John, in the book of Revelation, in the first century. The elaboration, the interpretation, The publication and the universal accessibility of the the revelation of the all-inclusive and extensive Christ was completed in the 20th century. And we in the Lord's recovery have this completed, revealed, interpreted, translated, interpreted divine revelation. Now, what awaits us in the Lord's recovery? is to experience the revelation that's been presented to us. Who has the highest life calling? Who has a higher life calling than this? To take the ultimate revelation of the Bible, fully, fully elaborated. Yes, released initially in completion, then in full restoration, in the first century, but now, now, especially since 1995 and then crystallized further and applied further since then, it's been given to us and is in our hands. But the fact that we've been entrusted with this revelation implies that we are to experience it all inclusively. And all extensively, who on the earth has such a life calling? Only we in the Lord's recovery. And our heart is there. The desire is there to close the gap between what we have seen and what we experience. But we need practical help. So here it comes. The practical help. The 2020 pandemic, one of the most notable developments in the health situation on the earth in a century, combined with the speaking in the Lord's recovery, that in such a situation, unsettled, unsure, off balance on the earth, a group of people would receive a series of speakings in 2020, parallel with the pandemic, that would allow them to enter into the no longer to be deferred experience of the all-inclusive, all-extensive Christ. Thus, practical means of displacing culture as the enemy of the experience of the all-inclusive christ came forth at the end of 2020 in the thanksgiving conference and we're going to see them and apply them now roman numeral three to experience him in his all-inclusiveness awaits our experience of his all-extensiveness thus The first among the many exceedingly rich and profound revelations that Paul presents in Colossians is that he is our portion, our good land, our sphere of living, in which we experience him in an extensive, expanding, and ever more inclusive manner. Saints. Every day, every day is the new setting, the new platform, the new stage for us to to experience this. The fact that Christ is inclusive, as we saw before, as we've talked before, the the fact that Christ is all-inclusive means that he experientially is to include us. His all-inclusivity includes us and all of our experiences. All of our experiences are to be brought into him as the all-inclusive one who is to include us and our experiences. That's from his point of view. From our point of view, when we enter into him, now, he, Galatians 3.14, as our portion, our good land, is the all extensive pneumatic Christ as the spirit in whom we are to, can, and do live. And every experience of ours day by day is not routine, is not just another humdrum repetition of previous days. It's a new horizon, it's a new opportunity, it's a new time to be in him as the all-inclusive one and extend our experience in him, making him extensive to us. And as he's extensive to us, we experience him more, and he becomes more all-inclusive to us. Roman numeral four. The culminating revelation of Christ in his all-inclusiveness, and all-extensiveness in Colossians, is that of the one new man, in whom he, as the portion and good land of his lovers, has now become everything to them. At this point, they spontaneously are his prepared bride, readied... For the inception of his parousia, the secret aspect of his coming. Here we are, saints. This Roman numeral describes our present experience and our present opportunity. As we position ourselves in him as our good land, the portion of our inheritance, Colossians 1.12 the portion of the saints in the light. The portion there is the lot of the Old Testament inheritance of the saints, indicating Christ is our good land. As we place ourselves every day as we open our eyes in the morning, in him as our good land, the all-inclusive spirit. Again, Galatians 3.14. Then everything there forward in our experience of him that day, can involve him as our reality. As he proves to us that he is the reality of everything in our present human experience. As he becomes the good land in which we rove, in which we pasture, in which we frolic, in which we endeavor, in which we pursue, As, as he becomes more and more to us in this way, in this way, eventually he becomes everything to us and he becomes our person, our surrounding, our dwelling, our sunshine, our rain, our vegetation, our breath. Are everything. And he becomes, he becomes the place, the person place in which Christ is all and in all the one new man. So the series of great revelations of Christ take us from the point of placing ourselves in him as our everything as our good land and then representatively representatively he becomes to us the image of the invisible god he becomes to us the firstborn of all creation he becomes to us the one who is the instrumentality of the universe, out from whom are all things, to whom are all things, and in whom are all things. He becomes our universe, which he holds together. He becomes the firstborn from among the dead to us. He becomes the preeminent one. He becomes the one in whom all the fullness dwells. He becomes the mystery, God's economy the mystery of God he becomes the reality of every positive thing and places us in him as the head cares for us as members of his body he becomes our life in a practical way and now he's everything to us now he's everything to us and when he's everything to us, he and we, we and he, are the one new man. And the one new man, as he turns and with a ravished look, with a ravishing look, engages. His slash her beloved one. He converts. To be her bride. His bride. The one new man is the bride. And then. And then. The good land. On earth. The good land on earth. Becomes. The Mount Zion. In the heaven of the heavens. And Spontaneously. It's over. And she is face-to-face with him, experiencing, having experienced his secret coming, his parousia. This is the story of Colossians. The experience of the all-extensive one. Enlarging. From Colossians 1.12, the portion of the saints to where he, in their experience, is everything, all in all. Chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. And now the, the completed, matured, one new man signals the end of the age and becomes the bride, raptured to the throne. So these verses here represent this. now I failed (laughs) let me just uh, make a retrospective statement back on Roman numeral 2 where I pointed out that in Colossians he is everything to us and we are to experience him extensively the illustrative verse here is a verse, is the governing verse on the experience of the divine romance. 1 Corinthians 2 9. This experience, what eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and has not come up in the hearts of men, has been prepared as a relationship experience for those who love him. This realm of experience described by 1 Corinthians 2.9 is the extensive experience of Christ in Colossians beginning with Colossians 1.12 and culminating in Colossians 3.10 and 11. So, Saints, this... (laughs) This is the marvelous experience we have before us. Uh, And this, as we will see now, is ours in a particular kind of way. Roman numeral five. The mention in Colossians 3.11 of Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, familiar to us, huh? implies that the greatest obstacle to his lover's extensive and inclusive experience of him, as described in the progression in Roman numeral four, is their culture. This confirms the apostles' repeated warnings to this effect in chapter two. Verse 18. Let no one defraud you by judging you. Unworthy of your prize. Saints, we have a prize. We're worthy of it. Can we fall into the category of those defrauded? Rendered unworthy of their prize? Through philosophy and empty deceit. According to traditions of men and the elements of the world and not... According to Christ. According to Christ can be a caption of the line that extends from Colossians one twelve to Colossians 3.10 and 11. The extensive experience of Christ that begins in Colossians 1.12 and culminates in Colossians 3.10 and 11 can bear the caption Colossians 2.8, according to Christ. Saints, we are to live according to Christ, breath by breath. Then we have the subsequent verses there, uh, also referring to culture as an enemy of our experience of Christ. Colossians 2.18 and verses 20 through 22. We'll go on now to Roman numeral 6. For the displacement of culture as the ultimate obstacle to his lover's expanding experience of him in his all-inclusiveness and all-extensiveness, Paul commends to them a most crucial and strategic practical matter that they give themselves to persevere Unto unceasing prayer. So here it is, saints. Here's the handle to the Thanksgiving conference. How do we then? How are we to be renewed in the spirit of our mind? How are we to have the peace of Christ arbitrate? How are we to? There are several other things we could add in there. Colossians four two, Persevere in prayer. Watching unto it. Is this feasible? Did the Apostle Paul here use rhetoric? Brother Lee said If I only can present to you the indescribable, highest revelation in the Bible. And I cannot commend to you. I cannot present myself to you as one who experienced what I have shown you. Then I have defrauded you. And it's all empty. And so, Brother Lee, as personified especially, you know, in particularly, among many others, but particularly in these two references I mentioned to you, perfecting training, and life messages, both given at critical junctures in the Lord's recovery, Brotherly expressed that his personal pursuit was that of unceasing prayer. And if you don't do this, forget about the other New Testament imperatives. Forget about the imperative to walk according to the Spirit. Forget about the, the uh, imperative to live Christ. They become terms in the air until you come to this and pursue a life, a persevering prayer, unto approximating, unceasing prayer. So Brother Lee gave himself to this. As you can see in these references that I've mentioned, If you have trouble finding references to this, just let me know. Roman numeral seven says, both when commencing and completing his ministry, the apostle, that is the apostle Paul, of course, urged that we persevere unto unceasing prayer. So the apostle Paul picked up the line of those who'd gone before. He picked up the line of the Lord's pleading. Pray unceasingly and don't cease. The Lord began this. Then, in the Book of Acts. They prayed for ten days unceasingly. The apostles prayed unceasingly. They spoke about praying unceasingly. They had a prayer part. Practical endeavor to pray unceasingly. And then Paul picked it up. And in his first book, he said, unceasingly pray. Always rejoice. Unceasingly pray. When he wrote his first epistle, chronologically speaking. And then at the end of his ministry... The verses that we have here, whether it's Ephesians, whether it's Philippians, whether it's Colossians, whether it's 2 Timothy, he urged that we pray, that we pray at every time, that we pray at every place, that we pray perseveringly. Yes, that we pray unceasingly. We now, as those through the ages have tried to do. We now are in a position to apply this rightly. Now, Roman numeral 8. <clears throat> Colossians begins and concludes with the will of God and persevering prayer. So Roman numeral 7 took us back to the Apostle Paul. burden for this in general. Now, in Roman numeral 8, we come back to Colossians and point out that As we saw in the Thanksgiving conference of 2019, Colossians begins and ends with the will of God. Making Colossians a book on what? On the will of God. So the spring itero of 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic on the will of God was an extension of the book of Colossians on the will of God. What is the will of God? The will of God is that we experience Christ all inclusively and all extensively, this is the will of God. Now, here we add something to it. In the verses at the beginning and the end of the book, where the will of God is mentioned, in Colossians 1.9 and 4.12, if you look carefully there, the will of God is mentioned in the context of unceasing prayer, so, in Colossians 1.9, Paul said, We do not cease praying that you will be filled with the full knowledge of his will. Then in 4.12, he ends with, so do not cease, in 1.9. In, 9. in 4.12, always struggling. So he says, The greets you always struggling on, be, on your behalf in prayer, that you will stand assured in the full will of God. In the full will, fully assured in the will of God. So, Colossians is a book, number one, on the will of God, that we experience Christ all inclusively and all extensively. Number two, on the handle. Right there, in the same phrase, it, you, it, Paul says, uh, combines unceasing prayer with the will of God, indicating that Colossians is a book not only on the will of God but the will of God accessed, entered, applied through unceasing prayer. So so point A says, the will of God for us, that is, the experience of Christ in his all-inclusiveness and his all-extensiveness, is to be ours through the experience of persevering, even unceasing prayer. This this is... uh, A quote from Perfecting Training, page 172, and Life Study of Colossians, page 280. All further says, or Brother Lee says, sorry, It is not adequate merely to have the extensive and all-inclusive revelation of Christ. After receiving such a revelation of Christ, you have to pray and you have to persevere in prayer. Do not be distracted or held back or hindered by anything. You have to be persevering. So Paul says, persevere in prayer. Then enlarging on this further, also from perfecting training point B. The fullness, the precision of our realization of the will of God is proportionate To the degree to which we, through unceasing prayer, have effaced the self with its culture. So an ongoing urging of believers is, Lord, how do I know your will? What is your will for this? What is your will for that? And we realize that when we speak of his will, we're talking about his grand will. And then that will apply to our particular matters in our daily living. How do we arrive at his will in that kind of application? It's only through our contact with him, our engagement with him, our absorbing into him through our prayer, which is not ceremonial, but is is a breathing. And then the, the more we are able to accomplish this, the clearer we are about everything and anything. Things that formerly seemed important to us, we realize now mean nothing and are unimportant. And things that we neglected before, we realize, oh, this is worthy. This is through prayer. Colossians is a a book on the will of God and persevering in prayer. Two, efface, and displace our culture. Roman numeral nine. At present, the culture that we have inherited, learned, developed, and appreciate, consciously or subconsciously, largely displaces our experience and enjoyment of the Lord, thus interfering with our destiny what destiny? Our destiny, that is, that we would experience him all inclusively and all extensively. Can we experience him all inclusively and all extensively? Would we agree that this is our destiny and, and what's going to fill eternity? I don't believe there's any, any debate here. Surely this is. Can we experience this now? Why not? Why not? There's simply a replacement and a displacement by culture. That culture is readily effaced. The culture and its underpinnings in our flesh, our fallen self, doesn't have to take decades t- to be touched. It may, but it doesn't have to. It can be effaced and is effaced when we have a substantial interval of genuine prayer. We contact him, we join to him, we absorb with him, we're merged with him, we we inhere with him. We realize what's important. We realize priorities we realize, this is right. This is what I'm to do. I need to stay here. I need to enjoy. I need to stand. Stand here. Perhaps if the Lord were here, or maybe one day we're conversing with him about our daily experiences in this time of our life, and we say, but Lord, I really couldn't experience you in all these things of child raising, all these things of my vocation, all these things of, of uh, uh, sorting out family relationships. Maybe he would say, you couldn't? Why not? Why not? Did you think you had to have gray hair or no hair, be a octogenarian, a 80, 90, 100-year-old to be able to do that? The time to do that was when you were young, strong, ready. That was the time to do that. You just need to—you needed to hold, bind, Grasp. You couldn't do that. Why? We can't pray unceasingly. Why? Why not? Okay, let's see a little bit more about this. Ten. To be prepared for his secret appearing, this situation must be remedied, must be reversed. That is, that our culture displaces the all-inclusive, all-extensive experience of Christ. The only thing that can displace culture and our experience is our expanding experience of the Lord in his all-inclusivity and all-extensivity. And the provision for our doing so is our persevering Onto unceasing prayer. Okay, so let's go back to Colossians 3.11. The terminus of this of the marvelous revelations of what Christ is in Colossians. Eventually, he's all in all to us in Colossians 3:11. As the new man. Okay, the new man, the new man. Is the body, am I right? And in Colossians, the new man in Colossians 3 10 and 11 is revealed in um, chapter 2 in verse 19, where the head and the body are referred to. There, Brother Lee says, by holding the head, we spontaneously become the body and members individually, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. We hold the head and we become the body and, note this, are conscious of that. Are conscious of that. We're body- Conscious. We're conscious of the head. We're conscious of the other members. We're conscious that we're among them. We have a new consciousness. This is the experience of Colossians 2.19, holding the head out from whom all the body. Now, this body in Colossians 2.19 is the new man In Colossians 3.11. This means that in its maturity, in the the body in its maturity, becoming the one new man, now has this consciousness incessantly. Now one is conscious of the head as they continue to hold the head, as they're holding the head They are conscious of the head all of the time. As they're conscious of him, he becomes everything to them. He joins them and is with them in their varied sequential experiences in any given day or hour. And their experience is filled with consciousness of him as the head of the body, as the one who is all in all in its maturity, the one new man. When this happens, when this happens, there is a new culture. The new culture is the experienced Christ, who we now experience all inclusively, all extensively. We turn right, we're with Christ. We turn left, we touch Christ. How do we do this? We do this by contacting him through persevering prayer. So persevering prayer brings us into the consciousness of him that allows us to be the one new man who is the bride and ready for rapture. So our brother says here, among among the references that are cited, He says, what kind of Christ can can replace our culture? The Christ who replaces our culture is the extensive Christ, not the limited one formerly known. And just as culture has become the replacement of God, so Christ can become the replacement for culture. When we live Christ, we are spontaneously delivered from culture and automatically the Christ by whom we live replaces culture. This is the revelation in the book of Colossians. This is by unceasing prayer. In Roman numeral eleven, to persevere unto unceasing prayer, as presented in Colossians, is for us to live Christ. So, persevering prayer takes makes appearance, emerges into our living and as persevering prayer emerges into our living it becomes it becomes the living of christ and christ is lived out and so the representative verses here colossians 1 10 walk worthy of the lord to please him in what all things To please him in all things is to, in all things, remember to apply him, contact him, to pray, really to those things, to pray unceasingly. This is the worthy walk. The worthy walk is the living of Christ. Then, as I mentioned earlier, Colossians 1.12, he is the portion of the saints, the good land in which we walk. Eventually, our walk, our daily living is one in which by prayer, we make him the reality of the various things in our daily living. And our daily living is converted into Christ as the pneumatic good land. Galatians 3.14. Then Colossians 2.6, implying that this can, this should Begin from the moment we called upon the name of the Lord and received him into us. Lord Jesus, I love you. That was the beginning of our that was the beginning of our Christian life. That was our regeneration. We received him. Then he says, as therefore you have received the Christ, the all-extensible one, Jesus, the Lord, the one who's Lord to you, now. You take him in unceasing prayer. Now walk in him. This becomes the walk in him. This becomes our living of Christ. So there's some wonderful. uh, uh, Refer you to these. uh, There's some wonderful uh, ministry references on this. A says for us to experience the Lord in his all inclusivity and all extensiveness is to possess him as our portion The lot of our inheritance, our good land. This is to live him. And notice these last phrase. This is to live him. We'll talk about living him tonight. And to live in him. This is the all extensive Christ in Colossians that we realize we're living in him. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow morning. Because such enjoyment is ours uniquely when we persevere unto unceasing prayer, this book confirms that it is through prayer that we live Christ. So, Brother Lisa, <laughs> both in the life study of Colossians and in perfected training, he says the following During genuine times of prayer, we are in our spirit, and we are one spirit with the Lord. Is at this time? Is it is at these times that we live Christ. The experience during these times of genuine prayer give us the taste of, of the normal Christian life. So, in life messages and perfecting training, he says, he says that when we are praying, and when we are endeavoring to pray unceasingly, that is our living. That is our living. That is the representation that is to be generalized and become our living. That's the flavor, that's the texture, that's the appearance, that's the taste of our daily living. Now, a few points of application. Um, I don't know if you can remember some of the things we talked about last year, last January. This next point refers back to that. Persevering unto unceasing prayer is the essential experiential complement to the revelation of Colossians, not only that Christ is the reality of every positive thing, but also that we are to experience him as such. (laughs) So you remember, we spent some time last year on Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, on his being the reality of all the shadows the reality of every positive thing in the universe. And to see this, is this not a great revelation? Tremendous. Who sees this? In the grandeur of his creation, he worked things out that every single thing in the material universe would reflect him, would express him, and have him as the reality of that thing, as a shadow of him. So that on the earth, in his earthly ministry he could point to anything and say that's me and now today when he's producing the one new man he can tell each one of us as his constituents and everything in your daily living you can point to that thing and that thing is me in its positive aspects accessed by you by contacting me through prayer And so it's a wonderful thing to realize that Christ is the reality of every positive thing in the material universe. Marvelous, huh? But to apply the principle back in Roman numeral two of the message, that revelation is for experience. So I venture to say for most of us in the Lord's recovery, we have the revelation We could answer a true-false question on an exam. Is Christ the reality of every positive thing in the universe? True! Yes! (laughs) Maybe Maybe many Christians would be, many believers might be puzzled by that question. Not us. We're clear. He is the reality of every positive thing in the universe. We have the revelation. But how many of us, and let me ask you, have you, have you had a dedicated, sustained, purposeful endeavor with your love for the Lord in view that you would augment, enlarge, and extend your experience of Him by practicing this revelation and experiencing Him as the reality? of every positive thing in your surrounds, in your uh, daily experience. Well, he might say again, if he were, we can project a future time when we'll be talking with him about this. We might say, Lord, I just couldn't, it was beyond me, I couldn't do it. He might say, really? Really? Why is that? What kept you from doing it? He might say, I wanted you to have what I will now call, because I wanted you to have an encompassing, consciousness of me I intended for you to have an encompassing consciousness of me and he might say every man has an encompassing consciousness a man who doesn't care about anything, and just goes here and there, living any old way, he has an encompassing consciousness of the things he encounters as he randomly moves. That's his encompassing consciousness. Other men identify a calling, a purpose, a cause, they're after something. They want to produce something. They want to amass something, want to accomplish something. They want to contribute something. So they develop an encompassing consciousness around that goal of theirs, and it occupies them as their culture all of their days. In contrast to these scenarios, he might say, I wanted you to have an encompassing consciousness of me to match the encompassing consciousness that I hold of you. I want to be real. I want to be actual. I want to emerge into the scene. Why couldn't you bring me in? I was the reality of all those things around you, things you were doing. Couldn't you have linked me to those things, contacted me regarding those things, touched me as the reality of those things, and brought me into and conceived yourself, brought forth a new consciousness, the intended consciousness, onto. It's becoming an encompassing consciousness of me. So it's not a small thing to take the revelation of Christ being the reality of every positive thing and pursuing with all of our heart the experience of it, the application of it. And the application of it has a complement, and that is that when we pray unceasingly and just live, unceasing prayer, we touch him as the reality of every positive thing and make him that reality to us. <clears throat> Roman numeral 13 it is only when we set our mind on the things which are above, <clears throat> by persevering unto unceasing prayer, That Christ is our life in the most subjective way. Now, another experiential point. Oh, we love Colossians 3:4. Christ is our life. But here, life does not refer to objective status uh, of his indwelling Uh, according to Romans 8:10. It means That he is surging in our actual experience, circulating in our actual experience, vivifying our actual experience. Yes, he eternally will be our life. And yes, he is Zoe within us. But it's when, according to Brother Lee, we take him as the reality of every positive things. And here I'll link on that we take him as the reality of every positive thing through prayer, that we actually do set our mind on the things which are above, that we actually do have him as our surging life. We actually are taken out of mean, routine, and tasteless existence. And so this too are setting our mind on things which are above and uh, having him as our life, our through unceasing prayer. And yes, and yes, uh, this again links to the rapture, links to his coming. When Christ, our life, is manifested, this refers to the entire parousia, It obviously refers to the culmination of the parousia in the Lord's open appearing. But it even more refers to his being manifested to us fully in rapture in a secret appearing. Which is through this process of experiencing the all-inclusive, all-extensive one in Colossians through persevering and unceasing prayer. Now we'll finish up here. Um, Roman numeral uh, fourteen and fifteen will conclude. Fourteen, if it is as we persevere unto unceasing prayer that we, as constituents of the one new man, partake of his inward parts and live in the sensation of his present parousia, doing everything in his name, his person so colossians 3 colossians 112 plus colossians 3 10 and 11 equal colossians 317 where we do everything in the name of the lord jesus which name is the person the person is the spirit The spirit is the pneumatic good land, the realm, in which we have a consciousness of him as we live in him as our realm. And we do everything giving thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus. This, when we do this, this links directly to a secret appearing. We see the matter of encompassing consciousness here. Roman numeral 15. It is by persevering unto unceasing prayer that we fulfill the will of God as revealed in Colossians. So here, I've already mentioned the will of God at the bookends of Colossians. Colossians 1, 9, and 4, 12 mention the will of God. But notice also that unceasing prayer is directly linked to the will of God in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, and 18. Pray unceasingly. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God. What is the will of God? The will of God is that we pray unceasingly. And through this will, we have the key to the effacement of culture through the experience of the all-extensive, all-inclusive Christ revealed in Colossians. Subpoints are A. We explore the dimensions of the enjoyment of the all-inclusive, all-extensive Christ with the spontaneous displacement of our national, ethnic, Church life related and personal culture and find ourselves in a realm of the experienced Christ. Colossians two ten, We are made full in him. And Ephesians 3 18. We explore the dimensions, the breadth, the height, the length and depth of Christ. Point B says we are ushered into the inception of the Lord's ultimate parousia. Now, why do I say ultimate parousia? Because when we pray unceasingly, we have his present presence. We have his continuous parousia. And that continuous parousia, that present presence, links and qualifies and merits his capital P parousia. His parousia that is triggered by a group of people who will pray unceasingly for the all-inclusive, all-extensive experience of Christ, merit his secret appearing be raptured to the throne and trigger the events of the great tribulation and define the timing of the consummation of the age. Of course, this is a wonderful subject, a lot more to say about this. So B says, we are ushered into the inception of the Lord's ultimate of the secret Aspect of his coming for his ultimate satisfaction and for the fulfillment of our destiny, the all inclusive, all extensive Christ as our bridegroom. So, here the wonderful verses Luke 21 36, a verse on unceasing prayer. These are the Lord's words. These are the Lord's words. This is where we get beseeching.com. But be watchful. How often? At every time, beseeching, beseeching that you would prevail to escape all these things that are about to happen and stand before the Son of Man. Well, we'll end the conference on this note also, but um, uh, this, this indicates to us that the unceasing prayer is linked directly with the ultimate experience of Christ that merits the um, qualification for the Lord's secret appearing and the rapture to the throne, the rapture of the overcomers, which triggers the last three and a half years, the consummation of the age. Well, um, Saints, I'm just so... um, Encouraged by this and by the chance to share this with you, Um, we'll begin with Colossians. We'll proceed on through Philippians and then the reality which is in Jesus to see that persevering prayer um, will bring us to the ultimate experience of Christ and allow us to be raptured to the throne. Amen. Amen.